Hello, podcast listeners. We are about to reveal to you the round two through round four mock draft I compiled the same evening that I created my first round mock draft, which was so successful and accurate. Some people are calling me the greatest fantasy ranker of all time. It's been quoted on many websites. We're happy to see that. We're happy to see you back for another season. In fact, if you could leave a review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, we've been dragged down from our coveted five-star perfect rating to a four. We got a one-star review. And I'm not going to go into the details, but I think that I know who it is, and he will be fucking punished. Regardless, let's talk about my first round mock and how accurate it was. Now, I did declare that Devin would be taking Jonathan Taylor with pick three. Of course, he traded him. He traded with Bill and went down to pick four, which he took Taylor anyways. I think it was a smokescreen. Regardless, the picks for them were right. I didn't know they were going to switch places. I called Dave being a homer for Akers. I knew Eric would cape up for CD eventually. What I did not know was that Matt was not going to go Tua at eight. He was in fact, or Judy, he was going to go Tua and light the world on fire. Almost light Drew's face on fire. Um, And then, you know, of course, thinking Tua would be there, I thought Drew would go Tua at nine. He was unable to, so he took Judy at nine. And then Matt at 10 with Herbert, exactly as I called. So, pretty fucking accurate. If we talk about what you're about to hear, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. Antonio Gibson jumping up the rankings after Adrian Peterson's surprise cut, that put me definitively in his camp and figured he was the only option at 11. Do I regret passing on Ruggs? Well, you're about to hear me sing Ruggs' praises for about two and a half minutes, so yeah, that's who I would have taken had Antonio Gibson not jumped up the depth chart that day. Other things that I predicted correctly, hmm, I got Drew's two receiver picks in the second round, but I didn't know he was trading down. That's interesting. And other than that, you're going to see that, you know, I might not have been so accurate because I had a lot of these receivers going in the second that ended up falling to the third, which could be an incredible value and could provide those teams with excellent draft grades in the draft review, which is forthcoming. But I will say one thing. At pick 18, I had myself taking Zach Moss, who would have been a fantastic pick if he was available at 18. What I did not tell you was my affinity for Jalen Hurts. And even if Zach Moss was available at 18, I would have had a damn tough time passing over Jalen Hurts, your quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Other than that, I think there were just a couple surprises. I anticipated a couple guys that ended up going undrafted making the board. But again, I predicted 40 picks in this league and we only had 37. So that's very interesting. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this. I hope you have fun. We do have a nice schedule coming up. We are working on the draft grades. We are working on releasing a redraft and regrade of 2019. These will be fun things to help get you through the week and get you more excited for the season. And of course, coming out right as you hear this as well is our 2020 season preview. We'll be previewing the entire season and also talking a little bit about these week one matchups. So hope you enjoy that. Devin, cue the theme music. Let's go.
and welcome to another episode of Scoop FM, the official podcast of Shadow Dynasty League, one of many leagues that counts. We're rolling on straight into another episode. So, with that being said, there's no reason for Devin to say hi. We just don't have the time. Hello, so let's just, everyone. Okay, Devin, you just got your word in no matter what. That's fine. Um, but let's just go right into it. This is a continuation of last night's premium episode that everybody, I am sure, is enjoying and mulling over right now. When you listen to those first-round picks, do you wonder to yourself, is this what he really thinks? Is he trying to throw us off? Is he planting a seed in my head about my team that I can't get out? Like psychosis following me around? <laughs> Thanks, Dave. That was an accident. Um, is he just doing this to make me do what he wants me to do? Or 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 is he doing this to make me do what he doesn't want me to do? Or am I going to go back and forth and be thinking about this all week and then I'm going to fuck up my picks? Well, that's for uh, me to know and y'all to find out. Anyways, let's go right into the second round draft. Now, I don't actually really mind giving my thoughts on some of these picks because the first round is pretty chalk, let's be realistic. I mean, I think anybody could throw together the first six or seven picks. Uh, I mean, hell, we know what players are going in the top eight, right? It's the top six running backs, uh, sorry, the top five running backs, Joe Burrow, and the top two receivers. I don't think there's a question about that, right? Um, So what really gets difficult to project is the second round. Um, And I think it's interesting because everybody in the second round will probably tell you they've likely got about five, six guys that they like. And if they were available, they would take them. It's just going to depend on how the board falls. So let's start at number 11. It's my first pick. Um, it should be a simple decision in terms of what position I'm going. I feel good on quarterback, running back, tight end, at least for this year. I've got some aging running backs I would worry about in the future. Like, you know, I traded all my future away for a ring. So it didn't work out last year. Well, I don't remember if it didn't work out, actually. But let's push the chips back in and see if my number comes up this year. Come on, what is it, red 41? Is that what I need? Come on, baby, hit me. Um, I need wide receiver help. Debo is going to be out, and I am worried about that injury. That's one of those nagging things. I do not like Debo in seasonal this year, but I will hold on to him in my IR because eventually he'll come back and continue his ascension to stardom. Also, having traded away Terry McLaurin and Devontae Adams, I really need some depth here. So, I mean, I got Godwin, Galladay, and Lockett, who honestly I I see as three tier two tight ends. I mean, or you know, in the 12 to 24 range, not top dogs. I don't know if there's an alpha. Well, I don't know if there's a clear alpha left. We know that CD and Judy are are, are in alpha territory. So if I have to go with who I think is the closest left, it's Henry Ruggs. And now listen. I wasn't high on him when he first drafted, but I've come around. I've done a 180. When I think about it, the owner, the GM, the coach were all in alignment that this was their guy. He's the first wide receiver off the board and the third going here. So that's a val- that's huge. That's just value right there. And I think there's a misconception about Henry Ruggs that he's just a field stretcher. And because of that, he's not going to produce in fantasy. He actually had a lower depth of target than Judy and Devonta Smith when he was at Alabama. And let's talk about target competition. Why doesn't he produce to the level of some of these other prospects we're looking at? Well, I mean, we'll get to a player like a Jalen Rager or a Denzel Mims. Uh, well, not even Rager last year, but his year prior to that. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing for TCU and Baylor and Arizona State, 
you can, <laughs> in South Carolina, it's a lot easier to rack up yardage than when you're playing at Alabama with a guy who also went in the first round at wide receiver and uh, one in Devonta Smith that'll probably go next year um, in the first round and good pass catching running backs, like lots of first round NFL grade talent. And I think he could get himself into an OBJ Jarvis Landry situation. Not that he's similar to OBJ in any way, but that Jarvis, like Judy, was more productive in college, but then in the NFL, when Odell got a chance to be targeted more, he ended up being, well, I don't know. Based on last season, I think people would say that the better career would go to Odell. And the thing, going back to people thinking he's a field stretcher in that average depth of target. See, Ruggs is incredibly fast in open spaces. He can... He could slow down on a route, catch a pass, turn up the field on a dime, and be gone. And I've actually watched a couple Alabama games, and I do remember seeing him back then and liking his play and liking his game, but I got kind of like swayed off it from the cool, hip fantasy community that wasn't really interested in him. And I've come around because I've heard Gruden talking about how they don't see him as just a field stretcher. They want to get him on like all different types of routes. They want to get him all over the field in short yardage situations because they see him as a guy that's capable of that. So when I think about it, that's exactly what I want to hear about how they're seeing his production. Um, Carr is not great, but they could be drafting a top guy next year and there's a good quarterback class coming in. Um, and I could use some reduction early, er, production early and now. And with Renfro, um, oh, he's, he's healthy. But with Tyrell Williams out and... Ruggs now competes with Renfro and Brian Edwards. I mean, and I guess Darren Waller, but I'm not really that worried about that. I think he is the most likely to be an alpha that's left on the board, which is exactly what I need. And I anticipate early production from him, um, which will help me in the short run. Okay, let's go on at 12 and 13. Uh, these are Drew's picks. This is tough because this is... This is the wide receiver central territory in the draft, and Drew is stacked at wide receiver. He's got Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, and A.J. Brown. So, I mean, does he really need a wide receiver? Eh, no, but he is kind of the wide receiver whisperer with that A.J. Brown pick, or, you know, maybe he just got lucky that Tannehill is a god, but maybe just left the chef cook. If, he's, if he can scout other good receivers, let him go for it. Now, I don't think Adrian Peterson can stay his running back three, even though he added um, J.K. Dobbins and Melvin Gordon, right? Because AP was his running back two last year. But who the hell are you going to take here? I mean, you could, I, I, I would just consider any, especially when he has a later pick, what, at 15, I think. Um, anybody uh, like Gibson or Dylan, I mean, Gibson is running with the ones sometimes, but so is Bryce Love. I think it's a little too early, and I think the wide receiver talent is too high here. Um, if Herbert was available here, that would be great for him. But, um, you know, he's got Tua, um, and like we've talked about, his quarterback situation is just, he's not thin at it. He has a few now. Tua is now his fourth quarterback, but with three guys who are definitely lower 20s or higher 20s type finishers. And then um, Tua, I mean, he could be nice. He it, Well, he is nice. We've seen him. But what if he's constantly injured or delayed from it? Like, who knows when he's able to start and how much they rest him this year. So uh, a quarterback would be nice, but it's, again, too high to take that. So despite that, um, oh, sorry, he doesn't have a pick till 34. 
But even still, I think he'll just have to go best player available or trade down at this point. Um, so I would say he will take two first-round wide receivers with Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager. So I like both of these guys. I have concerns with both of these guys. Um, but this is about consensus of where they would go. As for Jefferson, I mean, the college tape is unbelievable. Like, his catch percentage alone is incredible. But, you know, there's 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 some red flags there. Like, currently, he's running with the twos, and he's lower than Ola B.C. Johnson, who's like a fifth-round pick from last year. And, I mean, you know, Ola B.C. Johnson has a year of learning the playbook. Uh, he has a leg up on him. So, I mean, that's fine. But uh, just schematically... I mean, he does most of his damage in the slot. He's not that effective of an outside receiver at LSU. Um, that was definitely Jamar Chase. Chase um, he played a little outside the year prior, but the fact that Jamar Chase, who was younger, took the bulk of the outside work this year kind of tells you that they, the team and Orgeron and Brady saw everything they needed to see when it comes to uh, putting um, Jefferson outside. So that just makes me think he's kind of always destined for maybe high-end wide receiver two production, which is helpful and very useful on a, on a, on a fantasy team, you know, but anyways, I just, I do worry, um, that, you know, low rated prospect, uh, really worked his way up at LSU. And you kind of wonder like, was Justin Jefferson amazing? Cause he was on the greatest college offense of all time and had Joe Burrow throwing it to him. Or is this guy just a, an insanely hard worker going from a two-star prospect out of high school? Um, you know, not even playing as a freshman to a first-round draft pick. I don't know. I go kind of back and forth between those two. As for Rager, uh, he's interesting. I would expect some early production there. Um, he's very explosive. His hands are not great. I don't know if I trust TCU receivers. And I, I kind of worry that the Eagles are not fantastic at developing these young wide receivers. I don't know, um, under this current Doug Peterson regime, like Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, like... All of them, they acquired in free agency or trades. I don't know of any homegrown wide receiver they have that's been successful. Um, you know, I think about with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, <laughs> kind of worries me, not that they're that similar of players, but one thing they mentioned, the coaching staff, was, oh, yeah, he's doing better this year, and we think we maybe put too much pressure on him because we were trying to play him over at the field at every position, X, Y, and Z, and um, we, thought, we thought maybe that was a little too much for him to handle. And then you look at what they're doing with Rager, and they're like, yeah, we're trying him out all over the field. <laughs> See where he fits and learns best. It's like, well, maybe, uh, you know, in a shortened season, that's not the best thing for his success. But I think these are probably the top two receivers going to consensus, and I think Drew will take them here, just as best player available. And it's fine to be loaded at receiver. If he hits on both these guys, he's got five top-end receivers. Hey, that fills your two receiver slots and uh, your three flex spots. So that's not a bad thing. Okay, let's go on to where we're at. We're at pick 14. Okay, this is back to me. And this is a pick that kind of sucks. I feel like that that was a tier in and of itself, the Ruggs, Jefferson, and Rager. And now we were at a little bit of a lower tier. Um, I would put Pittman, Ayuk, Mims, Higgins. They're all sort of in this tier to me, and they're all very close. Like, this would be, you know, perfect situation where I don't love this pick. I'd be fine trading down if anyone was interested. Um, but in the in the uh, spirit of this exercise, with no trading down, I'd probably go Ayuk. And you say, that's a surprise because you've got Debo. But 
My thing with Debo, Debo is I've looked up this injury and a lot of wide receivers that get it, especially if they get it semi-close to the season. It's only been like two months since he got it. It, it tends to re-aggravate all season. And even guys that get on the field are not close to what they produced the previous year until the following year. And Debo is so explosive and is just such a yak monster. Um, I just think this injury is going to completely ruin his game this year. And I think he is almost not a factor at all this year. I completely have faded him. He's off all of my draft boards and seasonal. But that being said, I can't just ignore the 49ers as a passing team i can't ignore their pass catchers just because i have debo clogging up an ir and who knows if iuk is able to connect with jimmy garoppolo like apparently he has been in the preseason and i've heard a lot of glowing things about his game and his ability to learn the playbook um i mean and they traded up to get him so if he's able to do all that you know debo is maybe the number two and that kind of makes sense i mean how much they use him out of the backfield um, he was definitely a little late on some routes in the Super Bowl. Um, I know Jimmy G got all the all the uh, all the hate for overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders, but Debo actually fucked up a couple times too. But that's a lot of pressure for a rookie, anyways. You don't give up on an alpha just because you think what? Well, just because you already have Colin Sexton on the team doesn't mean you don't draft Darius Garland. You don't know who's going to be the alpha and the pro. So I want to stick with the Kyle Shanahan offense. So I will take. Ayuk. Okay, now 15. Bob is on the board for the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome down Bobby Balloon! So what's Bob's pick going to be? It's tough to tell here because his his, sorry, his running back three after Saquon and Dalvin Cook is David Johnson. And, and he might be decent in Houston, but I think that position he has needs some shoring up. He's got all these old guys that are like getting contracts, and I just don't think we we talked about this on the Rogers and Fallers show. I don't think that really moves the needle that significantly in any way. Um, you know, jeez, uh, he's fine at quarterback. His top three wide receivers are Devontae, OBJ, and Edelman. And AJ Green might be back. Who knows? Um, and I don't like Edelman as a number three option. But for Bob, he does have a pick at nineteen. So this is a little game theory. Wide receiver is deeper, but at this point in the draft, I would say that the running backs are tougher to separate. And just as a side note, how crazy would it have been if we drafted earlier? Vaughn would have gone at like 11 or 12, and now uh, we'll we'll get to Vaughn when we get to him. But um, since Bob is pretty even keel, I think he's one of the few guys that's drafting in this range that can say, hey, I can wait on a guy to develop into a true number one. I can draft somebody who can take a full year and then next year be the breakout season and be a number one that can replace Edelman, who will probably be about aged out of the league at that point, and A.J. Green. So let's continue the dynasty. The pick is T. Higgins. He's attached to Burrow. Um, The A.J. Green bridge makes sense, and everybody just wants a little taste, just a droplet of Joe Burrow's sweet sweat. You want to feel the perspiration from his palms when you catch that football, so why not? They worked out in the offseason. There was a little bit of a recent injury that might be a concern, but you're waiting on him anyways. He doesn't need to pad up week one. It's fine. Um, I think Outside of OBJ and Devontae, he's looking at a bunch of borderline wide receiver twos, and this would be a perfect uh, chance for him to level that up. 
Okay, now we're going to 16. So Drew, Dave, sorry, this is Dave. Dave locked up running back when he uh, drafted Cam Akers, but without CD, I think he needs more alpha potential on his team. We talked about the receivers he has and how I don't really view any of those as alphas, and I view them all in worse situations than they were in the year prior. His running backs, Jacobs, Kamara, now Akers. So yeah, he can he can afford to go to the wide receiver well at this point. And it's going to come down to preference, which I think all this second round is going to. There's not super consensus on where these guys go, but I think he takes Denzel Mims. Of the rest of the dudes, I think he's the only one that has potential alpha in him left. Um, I like that he could be the guy. I'm worried about his recent injury, and I am worried because... You playing um, the Bills and the uh, the Patriots twice in a year, who have some of the best secondaries in the league, and um, and Dolphins have hell of safeties now. They've got a ton of safeties, but regardless, actually playing in a decent defensive uh, league outside of the Jets, your own team. So I or division, I mean. So I do worry about him if he is in his first year in a shortened off season catching the best coverage because if you're bill belichick who are you putting stefan gilmore on rashad perriman i mean maybe jameson crowder or denzel mims well i don't know maybe it's rashad perriman in week three and then when you pay play again in week seven it's mims you know um i don't know actually when they play i'm just you know saying so i do worry about that a little and he's kind of a weirdo i don't know if anybody saw that story when the eagles interviewed him and they asked him about how if he'd ever been to Philadelphia, and he gave this incredibly weird story. And I was like, why? Just tell them no. Just don't tell them anything but this story. But anyways, I think he is a physical freak. He could be the alpha someday, and you know that's probably Dave's best bet here at 16. Okay, so now let's go to 17. It's Eric. He missed on Acres, and he needs running back help badly. So he will probably go Antonio Gibson here. I do not think that Antonio Gibson is the undoubted darling that everyone else seems to want to crown him as. Um, you know, I kind of look at this and say, hmm, you got Bryce Love working out with the ones as well. You got Adrian Peterson, and maybe he does Maybe he does rise above those guys. Um, I think, you know, a couple months ago, to take him before Vaughn would have been crazy, but it's all stock up, stock down to me. Um, it's not a great offense. It's not a great O-line, but he's got McCaffrey comps. I think he only really played running back one year. Is he from Memphis? I can't remember. Um, but regardless, the Rivera connection, Christian McCaffrey, no guys. That deserves a late second round pick, especially for a team that's needy at running back. So that is the pick. At 18, I've hit two receivers, and I've got running backs that are up there in age, but I want to get a guy that I think could help me out if one of them goes down or, you know, isn't in the league by next year. So I'll go Zach Moss here. I like his potential a lot to contribute early. I mentioned this before that um, last year, Devin Singletary got like three touches inside the five-yard line and Frank Gore got 15. And Frank Gore sucked ass. He had no juice to him left. And I think that Zach Moss, being a big bruiser as he is, is clearly being brought in to be 
the goal line guy because the Bills, no matter what you think about Devin Singletary's explosiveness and slickness in the passing game, he is slight. He's tiny. I said this in 2019 when Bill took him 10 overall. I said I like the pick, but he is slight, and I worry about him being able to be a workhorse back, and that is proof here. You don't take Zach Moss if you think Singletary is a workhorse. So I see that as a benefit to produce early and often because I think the Bills are will be able to score decently or be in scoring position and they'll be running the ball a lot. Um, and he'll come in for, you know, breather snaps while after Singletary breaks off a long run. And then also he's one injury away of a very undersized running back who had been injured, I think earlier in the season last year before he got his groove later on, um, one injury away from being the lead back on that team. And I think that could be very valuable. So I'll go Zach Moss there. Pick 19, so Bob got a receiver locked up. Now he can go to hit running back. There's a bit of a run starting with Antonio Gibson and Zach Moss, so he can't wait any longer. And I think, um, you know, the potential for Vaughn in that offense, just the offense itself, is too great to ignore. And it would stack with Bob with Bob having Brady. But everything I've seen on this guy since day one is red flag. I don't like Vaughn. I'm fading Vaughn. Um I mentioned some of this last time, but in case I didn't, he was on the COVID list. So he actually got a week less of training camp. That's only three weeks. He was never invited to practice with Tom Brady, despite being a second round pick. He's old. He's a Juco transfer. He made his hay at Vanderbilt. I just, nothing screams good to me. And I believe last time I said Divine Ogzigbo was um, invited to train with Tom Brady over him. That was not true. It was Dare Ogumbawale. Dare Ogumbawale, not Divine Ogzigbo. classic mistake, easy to get confused. So I actually think Bob goes A.J. Dillon here. He is a tree trunk of a man. If you've seen some of these pictures out of training camp, he is ginormous. And he could get goal line work in this year and be a starter next year because Aaron Jones has a contract coming up. Uh, I don't think they take A.J. Dillon in the second round if they seriously think they're going to um, extend Aaron Jones. And he's facing a historically stacked running back free agency market. So again, I think depth at the position affords Bob the opportunity to wait. And we could be looking back next year and saying, wow, AJ Dillon and T Higgins in the second round, both those guys might be primed for breakouts. Okay. Pick 20. We're back to Matt. After securing Jerry Judy and Justin Herbert, he needs to address running back as well. He's got Carson healthy this year and an off-brand Switzer, uh, but so he could have afforded to wait a bit here. He didn't have to reach at 10. He got Herbert instead. Um, but again, there's been a run, and I think I liked all three of the guys that went over this guy. Obviously, that's why I'm putting him behind them. I think he gets his guy, Keyshawn Vaughn, here at pick 20. Keyshawn Vaughn! Pair him with Brady his Hall of Fame quarterback. I just want to say, I love that all the Pats fans, all, especially the ones in the media, are like, oh my God, Brady, he's doing this shit in Florida. He's so fucking weird. Isn't the avocado shit? It's like, yeah, everybody has been telling you Brady was a weird psycho freak from day one and you ignored it. And now that he left you, you're like, hey guys, <laughs> isn't Brady weird? It's like, yes, we've all fucking known that. You are so salty. You are such ex-girlfriends. It's sad. It's very sad. But anyways, um, despite red flags, a few months ago, this guy was going pick 10. So to get him at 20 is somewhat of a value. And hey, there's potential. He could be on a fantastic offense. And Ronald Jones is not the 
the largest, uh, you know, hurdle to jump over. So we'll see. Uh, 21. Oh, it's back to Nick. He still needs a quarterback. I mentioned that I think he should try to get into that second round and secure Herbert if he can. But if he cannot, and he waits here, he has to go Jalen Hurts. Who knows where or how he will be a long-term starter in the future, but there is a lot of potential there, and it's all Nick can do at this point. And I think actually Love, Jordan Love that is, will have to wait longer to get a start than Hurts will because we all know Wentz will be injured this year, next year, sometime soon. Um, and if Hurts flashes for a while, maybe he just gets to take over despite Wentz having a huge contract. And I actually don't think that's such a bad thing because if the Eagles want to install Hurts over Wentz, even though he has a big contract and you think, how are they going to get that off the books? NFL GMs, I think, have a very high opinion of Carson Wentz. And I think they would be able to trade him fairly easily to another team. So yeah, Jalen Hurts here. Okay, we're on to Bill for 22 through 24. I would say Bill's best move is probably to try to dump some of these off to get in the second round because, I mean, three guys here that are sort of clogging up bench space as opposed to, you know, one guy that might actually make a difference, I think probably makes sense to me. But let's just say he doesn't and he takes these three back to back. I think he'll continue to pound running back. Even though he got Dobbins in the first round, he'll still need help. So he gets homerism. He goes Anthony McFarland, explosive athlete and Pittsburgh Steeler. It's a nice insurance policy on James Conner. I don't really see him as a bell cow, but maybe, just maybe, when they don't re-sign Conner next year, maybe Snell and Anthony McFarland could be a great value, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. I know that take will haunt me, but hear me out. Snell is the bruiser. He's taken every down, and when you got third and long, you put Anthony McFarland in the slot and let him do work. Have him out of the backfield, run a route, catch that ball, 80 yards upfield. I think it could happen. I think it could happen. So take him here. That's a good pick. And while he's at it, let's let homerism prevail again, and he will take Chase Claypool, wide receiver from Notre Dame, and Pittsburgh Stiller. Seems like a nice guy, interesting red zone weapon, and the Steelers have been surprisingly bad in the red zone. Obviously last year they were horrid, but even before that with Ben and Lev and AB and Juju, well no, Juju and Lev, not together, but you know my point. They were actually not that great in red zone efficiency when they were in the red zone. They, they scored a lot of touchdowns, but once they got into that bottleneck, they didn't really have a jump ball guy because AB was undersized and the tight ends were just kind of meh. So Claypool could be that guy, which is interesting, but I just don't think, I don't know, when it comes outside of that aspect of his game, um, he's just slow on tape to me. And I've heard fans of his say, look, Notre Dame quarterback sucks so bad, he drags his feet on purpose because he knows the ball will be underthrown. I don't know. I cannot prove that is true. Um, he looks more like a tight end than a wide receiver to me. Um, and then, uh, so, but I, I, I still think there's good potential there. Bill gets two Steelers. That's pretty cool. All right. Now he will also take Michael Pittman Jr. here, who should have gone way higher now that I think about it. But there were too many good wide receivers and a lot of teams that still wanted to add some running back, even if it was a backup just for the production or the chance of a starting role. So I think Michael Pittman Jr. will probably go higher than this. It was just probably to one of those teams that took a running back um, because I don't know if they're high on those running backs. I'm just saying... They need a running back. Here's who's left, and they will not get another one 
um, at any other point in the draft. Now, if they get in a situation where the guy they like is gone, one of those guys will take Michael Pittman Jr. Maybe Matt, uh, maybe Bob, maybe someone else. Okay, 25. Oh, hi, Devin, you're back. Okay, Devin goes Brian Edwards here. He's an interesting prospect, another crazy yak guy from South Carolina. He's got a lot of Debo in him. And that's interesting. Um, again, I don't know. The second option to to Derek Carr is not great, I don't think. Um, but eh, it's an interesting pick, and you're at 25. Okay, 26. Nick is back. Now, this is tough. He could use some support at running back. He's got some older guys. They're close to losing their job, you know, with Aaron Jones and Mark Ingram. But no one good is really left, so he's got to go Antonio Gandy-Golden. I'm not a big fan, but I have a feeling Nick is. Uh, and I'm not going to elaborate why. Okay, pick 27. Ooh, this is me now because I traded OJ Howard. Oh, my God. My notes are scrolling too fast. Okay, I had this pick as of last night. I'll take Hayden Hurst and continue my record of drafting a tight end in the third round. Who's a free agent that becomes a top five dynasty prospect the next year? So, I mean, yeah, I do, at this point, I don't love anybody left, really. I just kind of look at everybody as sort of a dart throw. And I'd rather go Hayden Hurst, somebody who I think actually will have production and then potentially some capital um, this year and beyond. Um, I'm also rolling with Mark Andrews and Gesicki already, but hey, I like loading up at tight end. I think they're nice trade pieces. 28. Hey, Nate. Did you forget we were drafting today? You haven't drafted since 28. That's crazy. Okay. I kind of talked to you like I talked to my dog. That was weird. Um, anyways, this offseason has not been kind to Nate, as we've heard. And little capital in this draft certainly does not help. But when he looks around, he's going to say, huh, I cannot start Fitzpatrick forever. It is only a matter of time before that guy loses his job. And after that, he's got no startable QBs to fill in a spot. So Russell Wilson will be his number one. He needs a quarterback. He could go love, but that won't help him now. Eh, he could take Tyrod, who's a free agent, and get some cheap early production, but he'll lose his job right around the time of Fitzpatrick. So he takes Jordan Love. He'll have to wait. It's his only move. He might have to give up more capital to get another uh, quarterback in the interim, but maybe next year in the first round, he can get uh, more of a, a quicker starter. At 29, Bob takes LaVisca Chenault Jr. just to commit to the goddamn bit, and I love him for that. At 30, Matt is not so confident at Keyshawn Vaughn, especially after I disparaged him, so he hits running back again and takes Darrington Evans. Folks, I go above and beyond for you. I even did the fourth goddamn round. Um, this is not interesting. We'll just blow through it, and I won't give a ton of explanation. I think at 31, Nick does take Tyrod Taylor. Who knows? Something happens with Herbert. He starts five weeks. Nah, he could use some depth, and what else are you going to take here? At 32, Bob takes KJ Hamler, who I would actually have ranked a lot higher if he wasn't recently injured. Uh, he's very speedy. Um, I think he could bail Drew Locke out a couple of times, um, and I think they're not expecting him to learn as much of the playbook as Judy, and in a short off season, I think that helps him. At 33, Bill takes Tyler Johnson, um, nice guy out of Minnesota. He's playing in Tom Brady's Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is quite low on that depth chart, but for Bill, this is just a long-term play. Um, at 34, Drew takes Jonu Smith, another free agent tight end who he realizes right now is on the board and available. Drew's tight ends are not spectacular, and he gets a, another guy on his beloved Tennessee Titans. 
to pair with um, Ferkser. Uh, at 35, Devin takes Devin Duvernay because they have the same name, and he wants a piece of Lamar Jackson's offense real bad, even if they don't pass too much. At 36, Dave takes Van Jefferson, you guessed it, who might replace Cooper Cup. He continues to let homerism rot his brain. At 37, Eric takes Eno Benjamin, just hoping beyond hope that he could get some running back production from a six-round draft pick. I doubt it. That's Chase Edmonds' job. At 38, Nate now looks to also add some running back depth with Joshua Kelly, who will likely be um, second to Justin Jackson on the depth chart, but maybe has the potential to carve a role out there. At 39, I take Lynn Bowden Jr., I know it's Bowden, but I like saying Bowden so much more. Hometown kid. Um, yeah, I, I don't love having to compete with Josh Jacobs for touches there at the Raiders camp, but I do think Gruden is going to use him very intriguingly, and I would not be surprised if Carr shits the bed and Mariota's injured or sucks. I would not be surprised if Lynn Bowden, Bowden, what the fuck ever, is taking like five snaps out of the Wildcat per game for a stretch there, which would just be incredible. Um, and then at 40, Matt takes Devin Asiasi, tight end for the New England Patriots. Okay, we just mocked 40 picks. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope this gave you some insight and preparation into the season. And don't take what I say too seriously. Don't think about it too much. Don't say, oh, he told us exactly what he wanted us to do so we would do it. And he told us exactly who he was going to pick so we would know. Or he told us who he didn't like so that way we would know that he didn't like them and he wanted to take someone else. Or he told us what he didn't like so that we would try to snipe him and take them earlier for a guy he doesn't actually like. Or maybe he actually doesn't like that he likes them and he's going to take them and he's hoping that you'll take them so he doesn't have to because he doesn't want to admit that he likes them. Or maybe he wants me to do all of this and go back and forth in my head until my brain explodes. Don't think about it too seriously. It's just a mock draft, folks, amongst friends. Okay, hope you enjoyed it. That's all for us today. Bye bye <laughs>